0: people will support a vision more than they will support a project. Um, So that's huge.
1: Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. The personal bit for today is that i have in addition to the names my parents gave me a turkana name from my time in kenya my turkana name is banyo which is a large tree you know, from the mountainous areas there and my wife and uh, oldest three kids have turkana names so we all do except for our youngest who was born after we returned home all right welcome everybody i am very excited this week to have my good friend mr eric pitts on and he is a missionary in turkana kenya and we were just talking we first met 11 years ago and and we can talk about all that and how that happened um but i think you're going to really benefit from his story and you know this episode are, is a little bit different than the norm so Eric is not a real estate investor, so we, my mission is real estate for um, income, lifestyle, and impact, and this is more focused on the impact. So the results are what you can do, the changes you can bring about um, from that income and investing. And so uh, Eric's got a lot of great uh, information and a great story to share, and he's got some good tips on Uh, how to raise private money um, in ministry it's called raising financial support but he has done a lot of it and so i know you'll benefit in many ways so that's a really long intro uh, but welcome eric
0: yeah thank you
1: yeah glad to have you on so it is really hard to believe that it was 11 years ago I mean, my daughter is 11 years old, and she was, we were in Nairobi when we first met, and my family was staying in Nairobi because uh, my daughter was born, and you were just, you were coming out of outside right. land, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. I was I just was doing my internship there, kind of my first um, real experience, sport raising, real experience of actually you know, being out of the country other than just a couple weeks for mission trips. Um, so it was a, it was a big time. And it was, um, and as you know, you know, you, you leave Kenya, but Kenya never really leaves you. Um, so it was one of those things where it really said, okay, God, um, I guess this is what I'm doing. And um, yeah, a lot happened right about that part of my life. So it was good that It was a good time to be there. It was good to meet you Uh, because you're the first person that I heard really talk about Turkana. Um, And a lot of people will say, oh, I never want to go to Turkana. It's still here. I love it. And, you know, it's hot, but that's fine. Um, And it's dry, but um, I I still, I I miss it now. Um, Not much fishing there, but, you know, you get to do a lot of other things.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hard to hard to fish much in the desert, for sure, but there are lots of good things to do. Um, I remember one time yeah. I, I played golf <laughs> out at our house where we were just hitting the golf ball, me and uh, Maurice hitting the golf ball around trying to be the first one to hit a certain tree off in the distance. But, but anyway, yeah. so, you know, for people not familiar with Kenya, a lot of times you talk about, in Kenya you talk about, Instead of maybe a city or a state, you talk more about a tribal region, right? So um, right. Turkana is the the tribal region in the north uh, northeast corner where the Turkana tribe lives, and you know each uh, area of Kenya has a, a majority of different uh, tribal groups living there. So, all right, so what was your story because for people unfamiliar with being a uh, cross-cultural missionary i mean how do you get involved in that or what was your path to becoming a missionary
0: yeah you're right it seems so natural to me um and it's really not because i remember t- i forgot who it was it was like a, a machinist and i said man, how do you get into being a missionary? He's like, well, how do you get into being a missionary? I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Um, so for, for me, my family, um, I always call it a weird family business. We have about 20 Bible degrees in my family. Um, but most of us aren't, actually all of us besides me and a few others, maybe two or three others, went cross-cultural. Um, a lot of them are pastors or um, professors, Sunday school teachers. Um, so – I was kind of introduced to the Bible college life really young, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do that. You know, my dad did that. My grandma did that. So um, I was going to be different. Um, but, you know, I, I ended up um, going to Bible college, and I was going you to know, start a youth ministry. Um, and I went to one youth conference, and I realized it was not for me. It was not, It was just like yeah, there's, so, there's so much high energy, and, like, you have to woo! i just didn't i was like i can't i can't see myself doing this um so really what happened was some some missionary kids um which both me and chad are fond of since we have some of our own um you know we they talked me into it you'd be a great missionary um because of this and this reason i'm like i don't know i don't want to do that and um you know then what really hit me i left bible college for a year thinking i'm done i'm not going to do the ministry uh, and I visited Mexico of all places and I said, okay, God, if you want me to be a missionary, show me, um, which is dangerous prayer, <laughs> but, um, you do those sometimes. And I, I saw people healed um, through prayer. I saw like what a real, it was my first time experiencing like a true missionary, um, people relationship. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, Hey, I'm building you a house. And see you later. Or hey, I'll take care of this immediate need. It was this guy knew these people, and how how well they're working together. Um, and I came back, and the same day I came back, my application for my Bible college came back. Said okay, God, I'll go. Um, and really, it's been kind of a thing where, like my, my as far as ending up in Kenya, I thought I was going to Russia. Um, I told God I was going to Russia which is also dangerous. Um, and every t- person that asked said, well, go to Kenya, go to Kenya, go to Kenya. So really what that looks like is you just get in contact with missions organizations um, if you want to be part of a team. And they, they really do make it, I guess, as easy as you can make something like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I did that. And finally, CMF and I meshed real well. Um, who, that's who I'm with. That's who Chag was with as well. Um, and I've worked with them since then off and on. Um, so that's, what's even crazier is I'm like, man, I've been involved in Kenya for 11 years, you know, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like that, that it long ago long and I guess my initial motivation was I wanted to go where no one wanted to go and that's why I had such an aversion to Kenya. Um, because so many missionaries in Kenya, my God, I want to go to Russia. No one wants to go to Russia. Well, as Chad could tell you, no one really wants to go to Turkana either. So God used that um, that aspect in a way I didn't see coming. So um, we're not the most popular location. It's a hard hard place. Um,
1: yeah, it's a harsh the The life is difficult, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember, you know, in preparing to move there, you know, the commitment was four years. Right. So you had this mindset that you're going in, you're going to do four years, you'll get to come home recoup a little bit for furlough and go back. And then I arrived and it was like two weeks in, I heard that the average stay of a missionary was like six weeks <laughs> because people bailed out so quick in Turkana. I was like, whoa, wait a second. So it was a little eye opening.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it, it, it definitely is. And, um, you know, and like are you, how old were your kids when you when you went your were your oldest two were around? Right. Or is it just your oldest?
1: So, yeah, our oldest, too. Our oldest was he just turned three when we got there, okay. and then Aiden. He would have been six months.
0: Okay, yeah. So we had – I have three kids, and um, and obviously – well, I mean, obviously, but I have a wife, and I wish she could be here. But it's difficult because we have three kids. One's four, one's two, and one is four weeks. So – I'm um, oh, sorry, four months four months, yeah. but, but that was a big thing. Taking your kid and the grandparents at the, at the airport, um, you know, you're taking Desmond was 10 months old. Um, so that was probably the hardest part. You know, my, my parents couldn't say much cause they went to Bible college. Um, so they kind of, Oh, okay. <laughs> Our son's a missionary. Um, but it it was that was, that was still a point not a point of tension, but it's still hard. That's probably the hardest part is being away from from family.
1: Yeah, I remember. You know, my parents were believers, and they were they had that internal struggle. They were very supportive of us for the work, right. and they knew the importance. But they didn't want us to be away, and the grand their grandkids um, to miss that window of time with them, and. Right. Really, at the time, I kind of understood it, but now as my kids are getting older, I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm, I'm all for them, um, being passionate about missions, but the, I, I'm beginning to see that internal struggle if, if they were to feel called to that. So it's only natural. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it is a struggle
1: for sure. So what is so you live in Lodwar the the, I'll say town yeah. of Lodwar, <clears throat> okay in uh, Turkana region of Kenya. What is your ministry, or how would you summarize your ministry? Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, well, um, it goes every which direction um, as, as things change Re- lately. I've, I've been involved in, in many things such as um, leadership. Um which is what I really I really kinda consider myself a coach anymore. Um I I help people find out their goals and then I help them meet that with their resources and with their own abilities. Um which isn't always popular. Um because, you know, I have sometimes I have the means to make things happen faster. So um, you know, sometimes it's like, well can't you just maybe do something, give you know, and that's natural. I mean, we feel the same way. You know, if we can buy something, if we can buy something, that will just give it to us. We'll do it rather than work for it. Um, so I, I consider myself a coach when I work with pastors. I do a lot of things with um, conductive Bible studies, which I'll try to unpack that real quick. It's a simple Bible study. Really is all is, is you open the word of God, you get to a scripture and you just ask four questions. Um, what does it say about God? What does it say about man? How can I obey this this week? And who will I tell? And, you know, it's so, it's so simple that anyone can do it. Um, we have people who are illiterate. who are just knocking it out of the park. Um, people who they memorize the verse and then they go out and they just say the verse to their friends and they ask those four questions, um, and it's something so simple, but I've seen we've seen such growth with that. In the first eight months, we had a thousand new believers, um, and 13 new churches. So, and also to unpack what churches mean, because I know when we hear churches, we think, you know, buildings. We think um, bands, pastors. We have the pastor, um, but a lot of times it's just under a tree, the meeting of maybe 20, 25 people. So um, when you hear 13 churches, in my opinion, it still is fantastic, but just to help unpack what that looks like. Um, so when you see stuff like that happening and it keeps growing and growing and growing, what then became my role was helping the local pastors do those things without me doing that for them, if that makes any sense. And that's kind of what I've been focusing on a lot of lately. That and then also um, working with leadership, helping them recognize the problems that they face and then kind of pulling back when they ask me to help. Well, how can you help with that? So does that make any sense? Does that help kind of
1: of get cleared up? Um, And I think there's two key things. You know, Sometimes people who aren't used to ministry or aren't familiar with it kind of have negative connotations with it and one is that you're kind of that you may be going in and convincing somebody to do something which is nowhere near the truth the truth is that you're going in and you're helping people address needs they already feel right yeah They, they recognize the need you're just helping them with it helping them address it and another one is um some people who don't aren't familiar with it, think that you go in and just dump money. You know, you do a development yeah. project and that's going to solve the, the problem. And there are many examples of that in Kenya, but that's not at all the work that you do or the work that Christian missionary fellowship does. So, you know, a lot of time right. I, I remember from me, which, you know, I love hearing your perspective on how you're helping Um, because for me when I was uh, working with church leaders it would have moved so much faster if I could have just spent the money and done it for them right yeah but a huge thing is the sustainability and if if you if we build a ministry that way as soon as we're gone that ministry will end yep so and there's there's no real point in building a ministry like that. um, At least in my eyes. So um, I think that's a huge point. Yeah,
0: that's, and that's, I mean, that's I mean, I would say, obviously maybe no one really knows me, but that's where my heart is, Um, is the sustainability of, of not just the, the projects that help people, um, but physical things, but also the spiritual things. Um, You know, how, how do we get? How do we get stronger leadership? Well, if you're always waiting for the next person to come off the plane, and the same goes for us. And I, I really try to do this a lot, or because it's always think, like, oh yeah, they think that people come here, but we do the same thing. When I go to church, you know, on Sundays, I'm getting that piece of knowledge, and then that's impre- it's helping my life. Um, where you know the same thing is over there if you can help them cut out the middleman and help them help themselves for lack of a better term, I don't love that one. Um, But if you can, you know, help them get to a point where they go, oh, I can do this myself and I want to do it myself. And that's really the problem that we face in the States and around the world. And I think that lines up well with, with investments too.
1: Yes, completely. So yeah, I don't, that is a, a uh, issue with humanity, you know, no sure. specific yeah. region or 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 people. No. Um, and you know, interestingly, there was a book that I found when I, I was in Nairobi one time. Um, I think it was my fourth year, and it was a real estate investing book. It was one of those yep. like audio books that you find on the street corner, you know. And um, I used it for ministry. Even you know, now I, I use the concepts for real estate, but right. the book was um, Cash Flow Quadrants by Robert Kiyosaki. So <laughs> any real estate investors have probably heard of Robert Kiyosaki, but the concept is that you can go through a progression in business from being an employee to starting your own business by yourself and being self-employed. And then if you grow your business, you'll build a small business that operates without you. Right. Eventually, it can become passive, and you're an investor. And so that, um, when I first heard the book, that equated to yeah. the ministry, <laughs> you know. In that, Great. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't want it to be like a ministry where it would be like I was self-employed. Where if I left, um, whether that be to go to the city you know for the kids to see a doctor or whatever that the ministry stopped because i wasn't there i wanted Mm -hmm. to build the systems and sustainability so that it ran like a business so that whether i was there or not um there were enough people involved and there were enough systems that the work was still getting done so yeah
0: and that's the best feeling that i've i've gotten really is i get a call from one of our guys who work at cephas You, you remember cephas So Cephas, I don't know if you know this. He's knocked out of the park with us, and he's really, we're really working with him um, as kind of our main coach. So we put a lot of coaching into him, um, and you know, I get a call from him or a WhatsApp message: "Hey, we just got back from the other side of the lake. We did we did one of the trainings, and I'm in America. So you know, and that was still funded partially by us." But, you know, and, and I remember the first time I didn't go when I said, you guys go do it. By I said, Are you sure? Yeah, I'll drop you off. You do it. And then they, three people got baptized. I'm like, well, it's a good thing I didn't go, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> so you have like, and, and you and that's the, I think that might be the hardest part of ministry is knowing when the pullback and you have that kind of drive. And same with business. Oh, I got to be there. I got to do this. I got to have my hands on it. Um, but then you're sitting back kind of humbled, waiting for three or four days while there's people working on your curriculum, um, working with the stuff that you have and you have no control over it. Um, and people, you know, people ask you, what are you doing today? you're like, well, I'm just waiting, (laughs) waiting and praying and seeing what goes on. And then the benefits of it have been outstanding because we had like three trainings go when no missionary was present, um, so that was cool. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm really excited about is building onto that and helping that network kind of grow of um, Bible studies and trainings.
1: That's huge. Um, yeah, You know, I remember when I, I struggled with it somewhat, too, and I felt like I needed to travel and do the yeah. teaching. And then I had three guys that were really working closely with me and eventually I just said, you know, you guys can go do the training. And at first they traveled on their own and taught together. Right. And I was like, the response was so much better, you know, It is. and, and then they started traveling individually. And so it was three times, um, right. the number being taught and it was so much more effective. And yeah. I wish I would have learned that lesson for business because then I came back and started a business and I started doing it all myself again. And it took years right. until I really hired it—you know enough people that everything flows yeah. without me. But it is a struggle either way. But I think that's awesome um, that you're able to see fruits here while you're in the States. You've been in the States, what, eight months, something like that, seven, eight months,
0: mm-hmm. Six. I don't know. <laughs> <Good> morning, <laughs> With man. everything yeah. virus feels March, like
1: March is like four months. So. <laughs> so the fact that you're in the states and uh, the work is still continuing on, people are being impacted. Yeah, that's cool. huge. Cool. So, um, what is you know what is your life like in Turkana?
0: Um. Well that that's the hard part is when you're busy, it's, it feels really good. And then like what we just talked about, you pull back like, okay, you know, it's a little bit, why well, am I here? Sometimes you feel like that. Okay. Well, I, why? And then all of a sudden these big returns come and you know, you get through that. But I think you might be able to respond to this too, because it, it really is like super high highs. Like, Oh, I'm so glad I'm here and God's here. And the next minute it's like, okay, where's the plan? <laughs> yeah. Like, but you live in that continuum and, and really, I mean, it's, it's a different life. It's, I wake up pretty early and I go to bed pretty late. Um, but my day to day is different every day. Um, a lot of times, you know, you think you have nothing going on and everything happens that one day. The next day you have everything planned and nothing happens.
1: Um, or if it's rain nothing happens the roads are washed out yeah
0: you get stuck between two rivers I experienced that for the first time two weeks before we left where I had to sleep in the car overnight so but as far as like like differences from here to there um, a lot of it actually kind of reminded me of this whole COVID-19 situation you know, cook from home every day. You don't get to see as many people as you would usually see in the States. You're just kind of isolated. Um, you do a lot of home projects when you have time off. I do a lot of reading, um, research. But really, just we live in the deserts, which I don't think we've mentioned that yet. Um, you know, our we have about now in town, believe it or not, Chad, we have about five miles of paved road. So other, other than that though, once you once you get out, you know, that was one of the biggest things for me. How are you guys finding where you're going? You follow the tracks. Where are the tracks?
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so now I'm I'm better at that kind of that kind of thing. But um, it's interesting because a lot of it is family time. You get a lot more family time um, in Kenya, personal like close family. You don't get as much cousin time or grandma and grandpa time, but you really, that's one of the benefits to me is I get to have dinner with my family every night. Um, unless I'm out for a week at a time.
1: Yeah, sure. So yeah, if anybody wants to look up, you know, pictures or images of Turkana, there are a lot of um, pictures that have been taken and it is a, uh, desert region, so there's a lot of sand, some acacia trees. You get some palm trees along the dry riverbeds. Um, if it rains, you have some grass spring up for the livestock because, I mean, it is kind of a miracle that all those all the livestock live out there when there's really not that much vegetation. Um, and it, there's a lot of beautiful views along Lake Turkana. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, it's a gorgeous place. So our one house that we lived in there in Kangagate was fairly close to the lake, so we could drive 40 minutes to the lake swim. And when I look at the pictures now, I'm like, man, that's beautiful. That's really amazing. It looks so peaceful. But, you know, when you think about as a parent of young children and you're swimming in water where there's, you know, very high population of crocodiles and right. you know, it's not the relaxing scene that it <laughs> comes across in the picture. So, uh, there are some challenges.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 There's plenty, there is pl- there are plenty of challenges, like rainy is like a snow day, um, a real snow day, not like a Florida snow day, but like a day when you can't go anywhere for like sometimes depending where you are, you might be stuck for three or four days. So, I mean, really, right. your pace of life is much slower. Um, and that's something I miss. And I don't know, how I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, I miss the pace of life. But once again, it's the same thing with the photos. You don't miss the pace of life sometimes when you're living in it. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> if
0: you're like, if if I could slow down, if I could be there, but then, there you're like i wish everything would speed up a little
1: (laughs) i know i when i was there i wanted the work to move forward so much faster but we had evenings you know with nothing going on and i just played legos with the kids and you know all these all this great time together which we still talk about and here i can make man i can go with work as fast as i want yep but it's really hard to slow down all the other social things, you know, to get an, where there's nothing going on when kids are in all their sports and activities is really hard. So. Yeah. uh, I I think
0: that's something that's true about my life and maybe yours too, is I feel like I'm in a constant state of missing something. I I miss Kenya for this. And when I'm in America, well, man, I wish I could do this. Um, I feel like that's a big part of my life. This kind of seeing the good and the bad both at the same time and kind of feeling in the middle of, of reality. <laughs> yeah. In my own reality.
1: Uh, yeah. I, you know, I was talking to a, a coaching client earlier today and he was talking about um, he's working, you know, a whole bunch of hours on real estate which is different from his W2 job where he had set hours, but he's not getting, right now, he's not getting the pay that he wanted from real estate yet. And I was, you know, trying to encourage him to just lean into it. That's, it may be a painful part, but it's also a really rewarding part that you can um, build your business as fast as you want. And really when I was in Kenya, I wish I would have leaned into the positives more than missing, yeah. you know, or struggling with the negatives. Um, but I think that's also human nature, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's easy to talk about, but it's harder to do. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. But I mean,
1: that's... I'll go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. That's fine. I've got so, a lag. <laughs> Slight lag. So... Uh, we've talked about kind of what your work is, what your lifestyle is, some of the struggles you know with living that far away um mm-hmm. you know when i think when I think about it now i hadn't thought about this before we started talking, but you know when my grandfather died, I heard about it three or four days later when I got to uh cell phone range, and right. you know there are very um In some ways, you don't feel that disconnected, but then in other times, you know, you can feel very disconnected, um, even with technology today. So there are real struggles with it, but from your perspective and in your experience, you know, what is the reward or what impact are you seeing day to day in your daily life and with all the, the people that you're working with?
0: Yeah, that's really what keeps it going. Um, and I thought about this past couple of days. I've tried to, try to thought, think through this. And really, a lot of it is a sense of calling. Um, and I know that's like such a vague, <laughs> a vague thing. But there's been times when, you know, you get to that part. and You're like, why am I doing this? And luckily, I have a great wife. And she goes, because we're supposed to be here. And you go, yeah, I know. And and you know, you have to work that. And then so at the, end of the next day, I'll be saying that to her. You know, it, <laughs> it kind of goes back and forth. Um, but really, I love it. I love my job. Um, it's hard, um, but I've not found anything like it where I can let God use me to help others. Let God use them, um, and that's that's really what it's all about. And a lot of it's. It, with this whole new method we're doing is kind of freeing because one of the things we do is we don't, we don't ever force anyone to do anything like you mentioned before, but with this new method, it's like, we don't want to do that. And I go, okay, well, I'm going to work with these people over here and when we align, I'll, I will still work with you. And when you give someone that kind of message, you know, that they'll either decide to go with you or they won't. But it's not you pulling pulling at them hey if you do this then that you know and i think that has helped me a lot and helped me enjoy it because that once i gave up that control i mean that really is when things start happening um, so as far as like as far as like my my why do i do it it, it really is a sense of calling it's a sense of of being there and a sense of really when i get down to the point where really the benefits really outweigh the negatives for me, the benefits of, you know, doing what I wanted to do since I guess I was 19. Um, And being able to live kind of an odd life so long that it feels like normal life. Um, So it's just become like, it's become part of me. And And I really am loving the coaching aspect. Um, And seeing it happen has been really neat. Being able to, and also those calls that we get from Cephas or other people hey, it's still happening, it's still going on. Um, The partnership with the guys in the ground is another big one, too.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think so much is uh, just relationship and, uh, you know, People knowing you care about them, you have their interests at heart. You just want to help them get where they want to get to. That's huge. You know, just thinking about Cephas, I remember our first year, 11 years ago, he came and was helping me learn the language um, because he was from around where we were living at the time. And then, you know, we helped him go to school, to high school once he got out of primary grades. And so when he sends pictures or hear updates from you about what he's doing, isn't that, that's yeah. awesome to see how he has grown personally, um, how yeah. he's grown spiritually, and he, he's happier, more content. He's helping other people, having a big impact in his community. Um, and I, I think that's awesome. I don't think there's any way you can put a price on that kind of impact in a person's life and a family's life and a community. Yeah. So are there, Yeah,
0: and that, that's huge. I mean, that really is what it's all about. And for example, Cephas, as you know, um, he has that, maybe a temper is a bad word, but that's, I mean, he has that point where if something's right, he's on it. And he's not gonna let it go. And that's not me um I, i'm more of okay let's talk this through thing and when you when you have those people that you their their strengths are your strengths and i mean i've had times where i thought maybe he went a little too hard on that person because of the way they're talking about whatever it was they come back around and i'm like wow god really used him in a way that i couldn't be used so like you're saying it goes back
1: to the relationship yeah it's awesome so are there other examples of, you know, fruits in the field, individuals' lives or communities, how you've seen changes from your work?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, one, one aspect we work, on, work with is the farms, which is agricultural project. I won't get too much into it because I'm more focused on the spiritual side of, of what that looks like. I don't, I don't get into the nuts and bolts of digging wells, Um, but more of helping Bible studies happen there. So that's been a big focus. Um, It all was originally started to be a place where Bible studies could meet. and has kind of been just forgotten over the time of missionaries being absent. Um, So seeing the changes in the people's hearts at the farms have been really huge. That's been something that's been really neat to see. Um, seeing a desire for um, independence rather than interdependence has been huge. And I know that you'll know that, but that's one of the biggest struggles that we face. and I'm sure that your family face too, is that balance of dependency um, and independent, being independent in a culture that dependency is a good thing. You know, it's good to be dependent on each other. Um But seeing and hearing from other people, hey, we want to be sustainable so when you're gone, this can continue on. That's one of the biggest things. That's one of my favorite things I've seen. It was right before I left. It made it really hard to leave because all this really cool stuff happens. Like that month I'm packing up my house. Um, But hearing people say from different ministries, even the chain ministry that's going on now that you helped start off, um, they're saying we want to make sure we're sustainable. So when you leave, we can continue on. And it's not missionaries starting that conversation. So that's, to me, that's huge. Um, that's, once you get through that, it opens the door to so many things.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I remember, um, the first time I read Stephen Covey's, what is it? Seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah. And in there he talks about the kind of three levels where you should in your life progress from dependency uh, as though a child dependent on your parents to right. be independent and you can do everything on your own without anybody's help. And then the third and highest level is interdependence where you have partnerships and you work together with other people and, you know, um, in america we tend to cap out at the independence right Right. and somehow we hold that up as like the highest and best and we miss out a lot of times on that partnership of working together and i know in kenyan culture the the solidarity aspect sometimes that can be reflected as dependence where they want help but a lot of times, you know, at a higher level, it can be um, seen as interdependence where they're much more comfortable partnering and working together and uh, helping each other out. And um, I know from my time, you know, we we struggled with that. And I think I struggled with it too because initially I saw independence as being this very good thing. When And it, right. I think partnership really is... Uh, the highest and best use. So, yep. and that's, that's true spiritually that um, we really can't be a, a strong believer and be completely isolated on our own. We can't be dependent on somebody else. We should right. be on other believers contributing and also benefiting from them. Um, mm-hmm. And it's true just in, in daily life, socially with business, with everything else that um, you know, we're, we're better off if we're helping others and they're helping us, uh, right. both ways. So that's awesome that you're seeing that in the ministry. Um, yeah,
0: long time coming, which is good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, uh, something we strived for, for a very long time. So, okay. So we've talked about the impact, which is huge, which I love to hear about. Um, For people who have heard me speak um, on how to raise private money, I always start with that I learned how to raise private money, raising money for ministry, right? Raising the support uh, for the work in Kenya. And I use a lot of those uh, best practices or techniques, really, in my business today. So, you know, in my mind, you're an expert, right? Because you have raised a lot of private private money yeah. or financial support um, to support your work.
0: Yeah, and I, I've done sales too. I forgot to mention that. I used to sell um, solo panels for people's houses in like just like a year or two. And I actually was able to get that job because I had what they considered sales experience by raising money for going to the field. So (laughs) I said, did you ever do sales? Like, here's the budget. I raised like, oh
1: yeah, you can, you can sell. (laughs) All right. So what are some tips that you would share? Um, Because, you know, we have very many people in real estate want to raise money um, for the work. And then I also help people and and teach them and how to raise money for ministry, whether that's people at our church wanting to, Uh, get support for short-term trips or uh, missionaries overseas who are struggling to raise the money for the work. So what are some tips you would give them um, or, you know, beneficial experiences you've had uh, to help them raise money?
0: Yeah. um, When I think about support raising, it used to really, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, my goodness. It gave me such like a stomach, pit of the stomach um, feeling because... You know, I was raised in a family like most Americans. You don't ask anybody for anything. You do it yourself. Um, yeah. It was,
1: Very you know, independent.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you're asking somebody for something, you're not, you're not, you don't have anything almost. But, I mean, my parents never said that, but that's our culture um, that we're raised in. So, you know, starting off the bat, I was really like, okay. And I think some of the best advice I've ever gotten that I can give is um, people are supporting you because they care about you and they like you usually. And I think that's where a lot of our support comes from. They're either connected to the work, connect to what you're doing, and they care about you. Um, and also, people will support a vision more than they will support a project. Um, so that's huge. I, when, you know, I'm loosely connected to the farms, and I love, I don't know how you're gonna do this, but basically I have this picture that I show almost every time where there's this flat desert. And then I just turned my back like 180 degrees and there's a farm, you know, it has that you you remember sorghum, watermelons, I mean, in the middle of nowhere. And what, what I try to tell people, and it's what I truly believe is that God can make any desert into something fruitful. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take the desert life of our spirit of like our experience the deserts or whatever we have, we're trying to get to that point. And that's really been my vision. And that's what I tell people. And, and people will latch on to that. And they'll realize, yeah, that's what that's what we want to help support. That's what we want to help you do. So I mean, instead of saying, Well, I want to I, I want to help get some financial investment for this and this and this, um, uh, make Find out what your vision is. Find out what what your focus is. And, you know, mix that even with the people who like you, you know, just who gives you just because they like you. Like my mom, my dad, you know, way like, oh, we'll support them. It's our son. And we love them. And I could do no wrong. That's not true. Maybe <laughs> now now that I have grandchildren, it might be true. But before that, that's <laughs> not true. Sure. So, <laughs> Good call. <laughs> but, but basically, you know, you have that. And you're always going to have that investment but getting past that and then also showing people, Hey, you know, this is my vision. It's bigger than me. Um, and I want you to be a part of it to help me get to that and also to help them get into that vision. So, um, and that's what I did with solar panels. I could sell things that I cared about. And, and once people see how much you care and the vision that you have, I think that helps a lot. Um,
1: I think that's huge. I mean, um, if that's all somebody gets from this whole interview, they will have benefited from that. So, yeah,
0: I can't sell vacuums, so I don't care about vacuums, but I care. I think green energy is really cool. And I think, oh, yeah, I can sell that, but I I still don't think that's as great. And that goes back to kind of connecting to the other question is why I still do this? I believe in that. You know, I believe that this is where I'm supposed to be. I believe, like we still have support to raise in the middle of this, you know, in the weird, weird time in our in our history. Like the market went down and it's back up, but we're still like, what's going to happen? I still have that feeling. I know that God's going to take care of me, um, and I know that as long as I keep sharing His vision and what God has put, and people will want to come alongside it. So that's that ends the other piece of advice is don't get too worried about, I, mean, I got so worried about, oh no, so someone's going call me back. What did I say that was wrong? Like at first, like when I was like 19, what did I do wrong when I did this, and you know, just following up is huge. That's huge. Um, and it feels really invasive at first. Um, but Hey, I talked to you last week about this and that was the big, the, the hardest thing corner for me to turn um but yeah i mean really what it all boils down to is vision to me uh, and if you want like i think i already mentioned this and sorry if i did but make the vision bigger than yourself <laughs> you know bigger than hey these are and then that's that should be obvious but sometimes it's not you know even if you say you know i and whenever i word things and i do this intentionally. Um, Look, come see what God's doing in Turkana, not what is Eric doing in Turkana. Or right. come see what, what, like whatever real estate, I'm so bad with real estate investments, I don't even know how to to bring it around. Maybe you could help me. Um, yeah. But
1: go ahead. I think, I mean, what, three key concepts you've put forward is casting a vision, right? Yeah. Too often we get bogged down on the needs today or the problems today. And people want to see, what impact are we going to have? What's the vision we're working towards? Where are we going to be moving forward? Huge. And number two, you invite them, you present them with this opportunity to partner with you, right? This isn't a work when you're casting your vision, your your words. You're, this isn't a work you're doing. This right. is work God's doing, and you can join in, right? So partner along, join us, and... Uh, thirdly, follow up. It's relational. Right. You know, people don't respond immediately and it's not harsh or it's not like a hard sell that you follow up and right. say, hey, how you doing? Have you had time to think about it? Yeah, I think that's huge. And um, I mean, you may be surprised, but those are key things that I teach on how to raise money for real estate that we're, we're right. asking a vision. We're talking about the impact that, that it can have for them financially. And we're giving them an opportunity to join in with us. So, um, people want to be involved in real estate. As real estate sure. investors, we know how to do that. And so, we're inviting other people to partner with us. And it's not a quick jump on board type of thing. You have to follow up with people, you know? You, it's yeah. It's really. No, you want to build a relationship with somebody, whether they're supporting ministry or real estate, you want to build up that relationship. So that it's an ongoing relationship um, over many years or many terms in the field or many real estate deals. And I, I think that just that really um, overlaps well in my mind.
0: Yeah. There's something that missionaries are, well, not Maybe I'm not good at it all the time, but I feel like missionaries feel the pressure uh, of is, is reporting back. I don't know if that's huge with other financial stuff, just because I'm out out of my element with, with that. But I would, I would suggest tell people like, Hey, when someone had something big, share it. Even if it's not you, especially if it's not you, if it's just someone you're connected with, say, Hey, they did this. And if you want to do that, you can do it too. Or even say, Hey, you know, they've just got this first sell or they've got, they were able to make this much profit. I mean, share other people's stories and then how you're connected with them because really people love stories um, and they're everywhere. But, you know, whenever I write a support update, you know, and I do bullet points, I don't ever get any responses back. But if I tell a story, oh, I'm so happy that you told me the story about so-and-so. Mm. Um, and I, I think sharing your story and sharing other people's stories are huge. Um, and, I, and like I said, I don't know how much is expected of people doing real estate, but I don't think it would ever hurt you to be able to to share that experience would be huge.
1: It's awesome. Yeah. People relate to stories. So, yeah. and... um you know, ministry is much more than numbers. It's relationships and its impact in business really is more than numbers, too. So, so I think that's huge. What would you say to somebody who's in business and they're not directly involved with ministry? What would be the benefits of supporting somebody who is?
0: Yeah, I mean other than being a dream of mine, I would love to be to that point sometime. Um, Right now I'm happy doing the ministry, but even if it's later in life, retirement or whatever, um, I think the benefit also is just kind of what we touched on, you know, telling other people's stories, investing in things that are bigger than you, um, showing people, hey, this is what you could do. I I think it's great. I think all of it is good. Some of our... um, I hate saying best supporters. I don't know how to say that. Um, some of the people who contact us more frequently are businesses, uh, people who are interested in, you know, something like I keep saying this, but something bigger than, than themselves, something bigger than the business, showing the reach of your investment, depending on your belief system. You know, if you, if you are a Christian, I can't think of something that's a better investment. You know, your money goes so much further. Um, even if you, if if you're tithing to your church, if you're giving to missionaries like me, or even nonprofits in your area, those are real tangible things um, that aren't possible without without it. So I I can't think of anything I'd rather do. Which obviously, you know, I'm a missionary, so <laughs> I'm a little biased. But I think I think that's. It's easier to get involved than you think, and what piece of encouragement is that? I feel like you could, with a few Google searches, get connected with someone who is a lot more like you than you would think, um, a lot more interested in the things that you're interested in, especially business's mission, um, working with leadership, everything you can imagine is out there. So I would, I would say, yeah, if you want to get in touch with. With either CMF or with with even just Google searching, you can find so many things um, that you, probably more than you would imagine. <laughs> so much out there, and and with a few Google searches, like oh wow, that's that's something that I feel passionately about that I want to be involved with, and it makes I think it makes me feel um, it makes me feel good. I support missionaries, and that's one of the best things I've ever done. And I didn't see that coming. But, you know, I got kind of, okay, I, I'm better financially than I was in college. My friends are in the mission field. I'm raising support. They need – they're they're struggling like I was. Um, I'll come in at some smaller dollar amount that we can afford. And just being on the other end of the relationship helped me so much. It really – like understanding, you know, if they didn't report back every month, like I always would beat myself up about, I didn't – find myself minding as much as I thought you know, everyone else that supports me does. Yeah. Um, so I, I think realizing the reach that I have, like this is all, this all goes back to what we're talking about. Your network of change becomes so much bigger. Like I, I support people in Malawi, um, one person in downtown St. Louis, because I'm not here. So working in the inner city, um, other people in Uganda and I'm in Kenya. While this is happening. So I think that's a huge point too.
1: Yeah, I think that's awesome Um, that you're able through that partnership and not trying to do everything yourself, you know, through um, financially supporting uh, missions or um, ministry, supporting through prayer, supporting through encouragement, you know, anybody's able to be involved in work all over the world. You know, you can impact your community, but you can impact another part of the country or another part of the world. And it really is a way to be involved in something much bigger and to have an impact that's that's much bigger. So and related to business, you know, um, our staff had lunch last week and I presented a newsletter from CMF talking about the progression of the ministry in Turkana over the years. And the mm-hmm. impact that it's had, and you know, our staff knows that a portion of the rent goes to uh, work in Turkana uh, from all the units, and so they're they're excited to hear the update and know that you know their efforts. Maybe they don't see the results every day in Kenya. Right. You know, they're dealing with a problem tenant or a complaint or something like right. that. <laughs> But they really like knowing that because they do this work here, the profits are impacting people on the other side of the world. And so I think that's another benefit for any business who wants to um, try and get involved in supporting ministry, that it is a way to unify your team. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a way for your team to really feel a part of something bigger uh, than the the profit and loss statement or the balance sheet, you know, to, to, so I think it's a really good opportunity. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, Eric. Well, I am, I mean, I could talk about this stuff all day, so I really enjoyed having you on and really appreciate you taking the time sharing your story. Um, if people want to find out more about you and the work you do, how could they do that?
0: Um, they can contact me directly. I don't know if you can shoot an email up um, um, whenever this is yeah, being all aired and everything. In um, the but I,
1: show notes, but what's your email?
0: My email is eric, E-R-I-C, Pitts, P-I-T-T-S, at cmfi.org. Um, we also have a page. It has very little information on it, but uh, it's like a giving page which is at cmfi.org slash EC pits. So that's Eric and Caitlin, my wife. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And, and really like, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I would love to talk to anybody about, like you said, I could talk about it all day. Um, so if you do contact me, just tell, I have 10 minutes. <laughs> We talking more you about a time
1: frame, huh?
0: <laughs> well, when you come from a family of pastors, everyone talks.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. And time frame coming from Kenya is much different than time frame yeah. in generally, right? So, well, I'd encourage anybody if you're interested in finding out more about Eric's ministry, the work in Kenya, or uh, Christian Missionary Fellowship, uh, check that out. I'll put the links. in the show notes or comments and um, hopefully we'll get an update from you down the road as as uh, continue the work there
0: yeah hopefully we'll get to see you guys in july we'll see all right
1: sounds good